3. And we got a big day lined up this morning. We've got uh, people joining our church. We've got children getting dedicated. It's a big day. Thankful to be here this morning with you all. Uh, but the reason we come together uh, is to get closer to the Lord. And the only way to do that is through learning His Word. And so uh, we're going to jump right in. John chapter number 3. And uh, uh, starting to sleep longer, which is a real blessing. Uh, you don't value sleep until you don't have it. I'll tell you that. And a newborn uh, reminds you how necessary sleep is. Uh, it's hilarious that they'll get up three or four times, but they get to sleep whenever they want. Right. You know? Uh, and uh, there's probably a spiritual lesson in that, I'm sure. But uh, John, chapter number three this morning, and I'm uh, going to be going through some things again just by way of review. Uh, a lot of people, when they read John chapter three, uh, they misinterpret it, and they privately interpret it, I should say, because uh, interpretations in the book of Daniel, the Bible says interpretations belong to the Lord. And so the way that you have to approach the Bible is that there is a right interpretation of Scripture. It's not nebulous like nobody can know. Uh, by the way, that, that's something that the devil wants you to think, that you, know, you can't know anything. Uh, when you get saved, the first thing we want to show you is that once you get saved, you can know that you're saved. Amen. But, but after that, that's not where the knowing stops. I mean, that's, that's where it should continue. And uh, Peter talks about adding to, your virtue, or adding to your knowledge virtue and all these other things. But if you don't have knowledge first, you're in a world of hurt. Uh, and so as you go through the scriptures, understand this much. Just because there are multiple interpretations of something doesn't mean that you can't know what God's mind is on that thing. Now, are there some passages in the Bible that are more difficult, more challenging to understand? Yes. But let me just say this. John chapter 3 is very clear. The only reason why it's been muddied, the waters have been muddied, is because religion has tried to insert something into salvation that is not there, namely baptism in this chapter. And uh, look at John chapter 3, again, in verse number 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, talking about the Holy Spirit, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Father, we ask for your blessing on the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for those that gathered. And uh, they don't have to be here. They don't have to come for any service at all, and they choose to do it. Lord, I pray you bless them for it. And God, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know uh, Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they would get saved today. Lord, thank you for uh, Ibrahim getting saved last week and for all the others that have recently come to Christ. And God, I pray you'd help us as a church family just to uh, envelop them with, with arms of love and uh, let them know that we're here for their continued growth. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would... Lead and guide us in all truth this morning, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, now uh, I, I want to just review this real quickly. When, when he says, look, if you, if you would, at verse number five, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, that is where there's a lot of controversy. And a lot of people automatically assume that because the water and the Spirit are mentioned together, that the way that you get the Spirit is through water. Uh, but that's, that's just not, that's not sound doctrine. It's not biblically sound. It's, it's a private, it is an interpretation but it's not the right one of Scripture. And so what we looked at last week is, and you can see it right in the passage. It's, very, it's clear as day. Verse number six aligns itself 
with verse 5. So in verse number 6, it mentions that which is born of flesh is flesh. Verse number 5 talks about being born of water. And then you've got uh, spirit that lines up with spirit. All right. Well, you say, well, what am I seeing here? What you're seeing here is this. Here's your first birth and here's your second birth. All right. And the old saying is, if you're born once, you die twice. Revelation 20. And if you're born twice, you only have to die once. Amen. And if you're if you're saved, you've been born again. Uh, We went through the fact that uh, the term born again is not an exclusively Jewish term or just written to the disciples of Jesus Christ, but rather Paul uh, mentions being a babe in Christ. Uh, it talks about the washing of regeneration in Titus. Uh, Peter talks about being born again as well later on uh, in, in, the, in the scriptures as well. Now, one thing that we, we went through, and I want to kind of revisit this again, is that the, uh, the, the problem is this. When they read water in the passage and they automatically insert baptism, uh, they're halfway right. They're halfway right. It is a baptism, but it's spiritual in nature. And the problem is when they read that passage, and I say they, look, I remember being down south, talking to people that were Baptists, and I'd ask them, are you saved? This isn't like a, I'm not attacking Catholics or Church of Christ exclusively or anything like that. This is anyone that doesn't understand what salvation is and attributes salvation with baptism. I remember being in Pensacola. I don't know if you remember doing this, Brother Joe, and door knocking, you know. And uh, matter of fact, one time, one time me and my wife were doing that, and her, her truck broke down, her flat tire or something, and we knocked on some guy's house to get some help, pulled out a shotgun on us. I'm like, welcome to the South. Amen. <laughs> uh, but, but anyways, uh, uh, listen, I remember door knocking and asking people, are you saved? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. I, I've been saved a long time. All right, well, how'd you get saved? Oh, man, I got baptized. Got baptized when I was 12 years old. I know I'm saying, I, that, I remember that baptistry and that, that preacher's name. Honey, what was that preacher's name? I mean, they started going off. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I appreciate that, but that isn't how you get saved. Now, a lot of people think that because of a, of a wrong interpretation of Scripture from John 3 and Acts 2. So we're going to go through that. But uh, what does that, what you do find in the passage, all right, inter, interwoven into the fabric of this passage is the idea that you, you do need to be baptized in order to be saved, but it's spiritual baptism. It has nothing to do with, with water at all. I want to visit it one more time. Again, just for those that may not have been here, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then we're going to dive into a little bit about uh, Acts chapter 2 and, and, and why that uh, is kind of a, a very, uh, uh, I'll say this, a lot of people trip over that passage and they interpret it falsely and come away with the idea that you have to be baptized in order to be saved today. All right? Um, where did I just tell you to go? Thank you. All right, I'm going to Acts. I'm like, that ain't it. First Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, can you imagine when I'm 75 what this is going to be like? Uh, First Corinthians chapter 12, look if you would, at uh, verse number 1. Now, context is really, really, really important. And when you're looking at, the, at a passage of Scripture, you need to look at the beginning of it. You need to look at who's talking. You need to look at what they're talking about. Uh, notice in chapter 12, verse number 1, he's talking about what kind of gifts? Spiritual gifts, all right? So he's talking about spiritual gifts. Uh, Look, if you would, at verse uh, number four. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same what? All right? So you're you're noticing this thing. Look at verse seven. But the manifestation of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed it's capital S? You guys see that? That's a reference to the Holy Spirit of God. All right, look down at verse eight. For the one is given by the what? Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. All right, so, so over and over, you're going to see this reference to the Holy Spirit. Uh, look down, if you would, at verse number 
uh, uh, 13. For by one what? Spirit. All right, guys, there are about half of you saying that. You guys with me or not? For by one what? Spirit. All right, let's just make sure we're on the, in the same book. For by one spirit. I don't, I'm sorry, I'd have little patience for this. You guys go to a ball game? You know, you go to church, it's like, well, I don't want to say it. Someone else did. Say it, man. For by one spirit are we all baptized. Now, now notice what happens here. Into one body. All right, so, so he's talking about the body of Christ. And he's, there's no, let, let me ask you a question. Is there any water in the passage mentioned? No. And so I know we, some of you are, are probably tired of hearing it, but don't make the mistake that everybody makes. That when you see baptism, you insert water. And when you see water, you insert baptism. Because sometimes when the Bible talks about baptism, it's spiritual in nature. I mean, think about this, guys. Uh, Moses has a baptism according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All right? John the Baptist, a national message of repentance for Israel, Matthew 3, he has a baptism. John chapter 1 as well. All right? Uh, you've got Acts chapter 2. Peter has a baptism. All right, so there's all these different baptisms in the Bible. And there's a lot more than that, but let's just stop right there. Already that's three, right? We can count three. All right, this is, even if you've got Common Core, I think it's still three at the end of all this. All right, so just, just at, at right now, before going into the rest of them, that's three baptisms. And yet, look at Ephesians chapter four. Um, so so I, I know some of you know these scriptures, and that's good, but for those that don't, I want you to be very, very confident when you walk away that what I'm giving you is not my opinion. Uh, it's, very, it's very easy when you disagree with someone to go, that's just your opinion. Right. Well, it is unless it's God's opinion. Then it's truth and it's right. fact. All right? You say, what do you call God's opinion? Factual truth. <laughs> All right? So look at Ephesians chapter number 4. And let me tell you something I've learned about religious people. They can't stand when you're confident in the scriptures. And the reason they can't stand is because they're not confident. And that's why religious people kill people. You know that, right? I mean, if you look over the history of, of, of religion in the last 2,000 years... The bloodiest killers have been religious people. And you go, well, what about the atheists of, uh, of uh, communist Russia and, and China and Cambodia and Pol Pot and the killing fields and all that? They're religious, too. They're humanism. They're humanists. They believe in religion. They believe that, God, that man is God. It's still a religion. Just because, look, look, I'm sorry, guys. You're going to tell me for a second that the people in North Korea aren't, aren't uh, religious? They got pictures of the supreme leader everywhere they go. That's religion, man. Just because they say, oh, no, we're not religious. No, you're religious. <laughs> so so you're, the, most, the bloodiest killers in the world are religious people. You know why? Because they're not convinced of what they believe, and they're going to try to force you to do it. And when you don't comply, i got to get rid of you in order to feel better about myself. That's what that is. All right, uh, study church history, and you find out. You have Mary and Muhammad fighting each other all throughout the Dark Ages. You say, what do you mean by the Catholic Church in Islam? People say all the time, you Christians were killing. I, I'm sorry, man. I Don't attach me to that at all. I didn't kill anybody, nor did my spiritual forefathers. You know what my spiritual forefathers were doing? Getting beheaded by the same people that are killing Muslims in the Dark Ages. All right, study history before you shoot your mouth off. Just because your college professor tells you that Christians are killing people, learn what a Christian is in the Bible first. In Acts chapter number 11, a Christian would have nothing to do with killing someone else because they don't believe like them. You go, man, you're fired up. Yeah, well, stick around a little bit. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse... I want to make this clear, guys. My family, listen to me very carefully. Most of my family is Catholic. I'm not saying what I'm saying to say that Catholic people today would kill people. That's not my point. My point is I'm giving you historical facts. If you don't like them, I can't change history. It is what it is. 
You say, why do those people do that? Well, why does, it, why does Islam still have that mentality? And, and you go, well, not in America they don't. You're right, they don't. And I think we've got neighbors across the street that would probably say, we condemn that kind of violence and all that kind of stuff, and I'm thankful for that. But let me tell you something. When you get back to the old country, it ain't that way. You know what you learn? When you, what you learn is this. When religious people truly have, and I mean religious and lost. I don't mean say born-again Christians. Religious people control something. Boy, when they've got control, their true colors show. And if you don't believe that, study history a little bit, and you might come away with a little different idea. You might, you're, you hate speech. You hate, no, I don't think. First off, let me, let me get this out of the way right now for those who are thin-skinned. I believe, yes, I said you're thin-skinned if you've got a problem with what I'm saying. Because you're not, you're not actually, you could care less if what I'm saying is factual. You're just going, I, uh, uh, it's kind of like when I talk about a woman submitting, uh, 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 we equal rights, what do you, what do you, just calm down. <laughs> no one's going to hurt you. I saw this guy, on, I'm sorry guys, I, I'm I, just up to here with all this stuff. You got, you got, I'm thinking most people today are filled with devils because they can't hear truth. And when they get truth, they kind of get all weird. I, I watched a guy get on uh, some kind of broadcast thing saying, if you uh, don't use the right pronouns for me, you are endorsing violence. Are you out of your ever-loving mind? I'm not going to call you they, them, unless you want me to say that, you know, we are legion for we are many. You got unclean. I'm not going to do that. I'll call you what you are. Now, Now, listen, if you think that means I hate you, you got that thing all messed up. See, that's a religion. If you disagree with me, you hate me. I don't think that way. I think there's a lot of people that disagree with what I believe, and I think they don't have to hate me, and I don't think I have to hate them. Amen. Well, isn't it funny that the people that talk about tolerance the most are the most bigoted, yes. fascist, yes. closed-minded people on the face of the earth? Yes. Yeah, I don't know who this is for, but it's coming out. And I don't, I didn't, it wasn't in my notes, but I'm trying to get you to understand that the day and age in which you live, it has nothing to do with truth at all. It has to do with how you feel about something, and if you disagree with my feelings, then off with your head. You're getting really close to a place in America where what I just said will get me thrown in jail. My kids may grow up in that kind of America. Uh, America spelled with a K, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Communism. I mean, basically where, uh, you know, if you speak the truth, all right, you say, well, what is truth? I literally watched a guy argue with somebody this week about this very subject, and he said, well, your, your feelings don't... And this is a guy that's endorsing the idea that you have to use the right pronouns for me or else you're endorsing violence. He said, well, your, your feelings don't matter over facts. I'm thinking to myself, are you, what are you talking about? You're the one that thinks I need to call you a she or what are you, what, what are you, where are we at? Right. <laughs> what is going on right now? Amen. Guys, this went really fast from we just want to be tolerated to you better use the right pronoun or I'm throwing you in a jail. I've watched this in my lifetime. So yeah, for you younger guys, forgive me if I get a little fired up about it. That's why. And you say, where does this have anything to do with the lesson? Well, it's about religious people. And religious people tend to think if you disagree with them, I'm, I'm saying some things that I know some people will disagree with doctrinally. Now look, if, you're, if you come from a Catholic background, let me say a couple things right now. Number one, I love you. Amen. Number two, most of my family, 99% of my family is Catholic. And I will say this, and I mean it right now. Some of them live better lives than some Christians that I know that are born-again believers. Yeah. And let me say this as well. You can be Catholic and be a born-again believer. Yes. All right? Now, now, all of that said, so that, now that we've got the disclaimers out, you know, you don't want to stone me anymore. All right? The reality is this. In history, the people that have killed people have done so in the name of some kind of religion. 
And the reason they did is because they weren't confident in what they believed. Listen, you know why Puerto Ricans are Catholic? You want to know the real story? You think, you think that the reason why is because they just fell in love with the religion? When the Spanish conquistadors came over, they came over with a sword and said, convert or die. That's not how we sent out missionaries. I think we'd have better results if we did, but that's not how we do it. I mean, our missionaries don't go out with guns. All right, who wants to be a Christian? All right, you? Good, good, good. That's, that's not how that's supposed to work. All right. The reason why Latin America is primarily Catholic is for that reason. That doesn't mean I hate Catholic. These are facts. Okay, this is history. And the reason our kids are, are not being taught history is because if you can give them whatever you think history should be instead of what history was, you can make them believe anything about where they're going. Now, I said all that to say this. Uh, uh, look at uh, Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 5. Uh, verse 4. There's one body. And one spirit. You agree with that? There's one body of Christ and there's one Holy Spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. You believe there's one God? Yeah. All right. You believe there's one faith? Yeah. You believe there's one baptism? Yeah. All right. But we just cited at least three of them. You're like, oh, man, I hate when he does this to us. And he, he gets me going. And then he like pulls the rug out from underneath me. Don't, the, oh, okay. Don't worry. Both of these things are true. There, there are a number of baptisms, water baptisms listed in the Bible. However, there's only one baptism that counts for your salvation. And I've got news for you. It's not water. It's the baptism that you just read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is called being baptized in the Spirit. Uh, go to Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew chapter 3, talking about the, the problem, the problem with uh, some people is they don't rightly divide the Bible at all. And the problem with others is they go in there with a meat cleaver and chop it to bits and uh, ignore a lot of truth that's in the Gospels. Um, and look, I can look at the Gospels and see things that Jesus Christ said and go, okay, that was for Israel. But then there's other things that he says that are still applicable today. Um, the ministry of Jesus Christ uh, does not stop when he leaves this earth. It's still going on today. Amen. All right? Uh, if first, the apostles who were called pillars and, you know, then... Pro uh, 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 apostles and prophets and, and, and pastors and teachers and evangelists and all, so on and so forth. Look at Matthew chapter 3 and look, if you would, at uh, Matthew 3 and verse number uh, 11. And notice what, notice what uh, uh, John the Baptist says. This is, very, this is a very key passage on what we're talking about. Uh, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the what? The Holy Ghost. Now, do you see the word, uh, 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 let's see here, verse, uh, da, 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 da. but, look in verse 11. Do you see that after the colon? That is a disjunctive conjunction. You know what that tells you? There's a contrast. And the contrast is water versus the Holy Ghost. Did you see that? All right, so, so this, and, and I'm not trying to be a smart like when I say this, but this is not this. You know how you know? This is spelled W-A-T-E-R. And this is not spelled that way. All right? So these are not the same. They're not equivalent. You don't get the Holy Ghost by water. If you did, he wouldn't have said it that way. He says, I'm, I'm baptizing you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Two different things. Two different things. Now, the problem comes into play. Brother, if you can go to the next slide. The, the problem comes into play where people get hung up on Acts chapter 2 in verse number 38. Go to Acts chapter 2 real quick. We'll go there. Acts chapter 2. 
And uh, you, you just, guys, I, forgive me, every once in a while I kind of got to let out some of this, this stuff that builds up over time where people just say ridiculous things and expect no kind of retort at all. Uh, you live in a day and age where, where people just spew nonsense constantly, and when you come to church and truth is presented, they call you a bigot for it. Uh, first off, I literally, I believe this. If I had a neighbor that was a, I'm trying to think, a trigender, transvestite, transgender, tr- whatever, I don't even know, barista at Starbucks that took, uh, got a master's in lesbian studies, or whatever, I don't know, I don't care. If, if I was my neighbor, you know what I'm called to do? Love that neighbor. Give him the gospel. I don't hate you. I don't. Now, now you might hate me because you're religious. And you can't stand what I stand for. I don't hate you. You see how that thing works? It's a weird, it's a weird world in which you live where if you disagree with someone, they think you're hateful or that you're speaking hatred. No, guys, for, for the, one of the pillars of Western civilization, which is crumbling around us as we speak, is the idea that you are allowed to speak freely what you believe. And that's what our founding fathers came. I don't want to go into all that, but, but the idea is this. You're getting into a dangerous territory now where because we disagree with somebody, we want to throw them into jail. Guys, that, that's literally, you know, the, any, anybody here ever heard, I'm going to ask you guys, you guys ever heard give me liberty or give me death? Yes. You never heard that? Patrick Henry. All right. Do you know, do you know why Patrick Henry said that? Anybody know? All right, got one, I got one, yeah, all right, no, all right, you got gypped, man, they didn't teach you in school, and I'm telling you, I'm not, that's not you, I mean, that, this generation is getting gypped, do you know, do you know why that guy said that? Because Baptist preachers were preaching out on the street without a license from the Church of England, or maybe it was the uh, Episcopalian, the American version of that, but they were out there preaching without a license. I don't need a stinking license from the government to give you the Word of God. All right? Now, so, so, so you understand, this is where it all... I'm not trying to preach politics. I'm trying to get you to understand why people are so thin-skinned today. They don't realize it. It used to be you could speak your mind and just, okay, well, I disagree with you, and here's why my opinion is better, and let me make my case. You can't do that anymore. Because people don't want to hear, they're, they're, once you say certain things, now you may remember in the book of Acts where once they mentioned the word Gentiles, the Jews bum-rushed them and wanted to kill them. All right, now, now what you're, what's going on today is you mention certain words and people just lose their mind. Lose their, I, I'm going to give you one more thing, and, and again, uh, if this causes you to leave the church, your heart's in the wrong place. And I know what I'm saying, I don't have a problem saying this. There, there's, there's a problem today, and here's the problem. When I mention I'm Puerto Rican, why are you going to mention that? Because I am. Right. I, got, I got white folks, and we have Asian folks, and we have black folks in this church. Well, just don't say the title. What's wrong with you? You can't say that. Aren't you supposed to celebrate diversity? Yeah. Aren't you supposed to be able to say, like, hey, like, I enjoy the fact that God made you how you are and how you look and how you, that's amazing that God is so, that God did that is amazing to me. And now you're in a place where, no, no, we don't talk about, if you mention the fact that we're all, you know, that we don't see color, then you're a racist. But if you do mention that we see color, then you're a racist. So basically, you're just all racist. That's what's wrong with all of you. All right. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe like back away from all that stuff. Back away from all that stuff and go, you know what? Where I find equality no, we're not even close to being done. Turn that alarm off. <laughs> Where we find equality is not going to be at the C-suite level of companies. Right. 
we have this many women, this many men. That's not going to find it. Uh, where you're going to find equality is not going to be, uh, okay, uh, this, this class of people or this race of people make this much money, this race of people make this. You, that's not where you're going to find equality. You know where you're going to find equality? In Jesus Christ. And the reason why the world is losing their mind is because they are, they are going diving headlong into the religion of humanism, ignoring the scriptures. And what I'm trying to help you understand, and I know it's a, a, a long road for some of you this morning, is that the reason why you can hardly get through some of the stuff that I'm going to go through this morning with you is because once you say things like baptism is not part of your salvation, some people are just going to tune you out. They're going to say, no, I don't, I don't agree with you on that. Um, and uh, let's look at Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2, uh, verse number 37. Acts chapter 2, verse number 37. You know what the Bible says? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, nothing, nothing shall offend them. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want to go out of my way to offend you, but at the same time, when you're saying things about what's going on in the state of the world to wake people up, you know what the, uh, the job of a preacher is? He's to be a, a watchman. And a watchman blows a trumpet and says, that's not right, this is what's right. And you're living a day and age where, you know what you want, you know what most Christians want? They want a watchman that will, won't blow the trumpet and won't wake up and won't call things out for what they are. And I mean this as graciously as I can say it. If you want that, this isn't the church for you. If you want a watchman that just goes along with what everyone else is doing in modern Christianity, there's about a billion churches right around here that you can find that will give you that. All right? This isn't one of them. You're going to find a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching preacher. You know what that means? Sometimes you've got to say things that go against the mainstream. All right, I'm done. Acts chapter 2, look if you would at <laughs> verse number 37. Now, when they heard this, you say, what did they hear? Peter basically preached to all these people that were gathered there. Now, if you don't know who they are, look at verse 36. Which house is this? Is it the house of, of the church, the house of God? What is this? Israel. All right, verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right, so this is where a lot of people hang their hat and they go, See, they had to get baptized to get the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me stop before I go any further and say this. You're right. They did. I don't. Amen. Now, if, you, if you're, you're not sure what I mean by that, listen, here's what a lot of, ba- now, let me kick the Baptist for a little bit. I'm an equal opportunity kicker, man. I mean, I, let me tell you where the Baptists go off the rails. They go, well, you know, Acts chapter 2, the, the Bible does say that, but, but what, for, for the remission of sins, what that really means is, and, and what they're basically, they, they basically try to reinterpret the scriptures. Here's what you have to understand, that because of what the Lord was doing on the day of Pentecost with those Jews who had to... Listen, it was a national message about their, them crucifying their Messiah as a nation and involved national repentance. You say, what did that mean? They had to show they were repentant. Well, what did they have to do? Get baptized. Did you ever notice uh, that when the Lord gives the Great Commission, He tells them to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is how we baptize here, and yet Peter tells them in the name of Jesus? You ever catch that? Well, what, what does that mean? Well, what it means is this. Israel knew about the Spirit of God. And Israel worshipped Jehovah God as the Father. The problem that they had was the Son. That's who they rejected. They rejected the man, Jesus Christ. 
There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And so they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and then they received the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just make a little chart. This will be fun, okay? So in Acts 2, they get baptized in water, and then they get the Holy Spirit, right? Is that what the passage says? All right, look at Acts chapter 10. Go to Acts chapter 10. Here's why you cannot build all of your doctrine off of the historical incidents that take place in the book of Acts. Because Acts is a transitional book where God is transitioning away from Israel exclusively and moving toward the church. And in the church, you have Jew and Gentile. Guys, you, you think racial tension is a new thing? Yeah. Racial tension, anytime you get races together and you get groups of people together, there's tension. Uh, I'll give you an example. In the Bible, again, I, as soon as I mention race, <laughs> what's he going to say? I'm not going to say anything that, against any race at all. Um, uh, listen, I, <laughs> I wouldn't speak against any race. You know why? Because I'm the, I'm the other trinity. I'm all three of them mixed in one. That's what Puerto Ricans are. You know that, right? <laughs> I, that's the truth. That, that's the God honest truth. Um, but, but, but when you get races together, there's tension. Uh, Acts chapter 6, you know what happens in the early church? The disciples are preferring the Jewish widows, or at least that's what the Gentile widows are saying. You remember that? Yeah. All right, now, 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 here's two possibilities. Possibility number one, that's how the Gentiles felt just because they were already outsiders. Or it could be that because the apostles themselves were Jewish, they just kind of understood how to approach a widow within their own culture a little bit easier. And maybe they were preferring them, not on purpose, but just because it was easier. You know how I know this is true? I watch teenagers who are taught all this junk about, you know, everyone's equal and everything else. Watch them go to camp. They gravitate to everyone that's just like them. That's what people naturally do. And, and, so, and so what the Lord tells you in the church, though, is have love preferring one another. In other words, don't prefer self, prefer one another. Whether you're black, white, Asian, whatever, woman, man, I am to love you. I'm, I'm commanded by God to prefer you first over myself which is not easy to do. Can I get a witness? Yeah. All right. Regardless of, let's say everybody here was of the same race. You still have a problem with that. It's not a racial thing. It's a human thing. All right. But, but what I'm getting at is this. This is not a new problem. The church in its infancy had this problem and they had to address it. And that's where you get the story about, about deacons and all that. Uh, look at Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter number 10. And uh, look down, if you would, at, uh, let's see here, verse number... Uh, 44. So what happens from verse 34 to 44 is Peter is preaching to Cornelius. All right. Now you want to, you want me to show you how God cares about all the races? Watch this. Acts chapter eight, an Ethiopian gets saved. Acts chapter nine, Saul, a Jew gets saved. You say, what is that? He's Shem. Noah had three sons. They didn't teach you that in school either. Noah had three. That's where anthropology really comes from in the Bible. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem's the father of the Asian people. Uh, Ham's the father of the African people. And Japheth is the father of the Europeans. All right? So you know what happens? You've got uh, an Ethiopian getting saved. You've got uh, Paul, a Jew, getting saved. All right? And then, lastly, you have Cornelius. And you say, who is that? Japheth, European. He's a Roman. He's a, he's a European. You know you have Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10. God's going, I'm coming for all you guys. 
with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's cool. I think it's pretty cool. If you're not impressed, I'm impressed by it. Not because I wrote it, because God did it. I mean, honestly, I think it's pretty neat. Uh, but look at uh, Acts 10. So what happens is Peter goes and he preaches to Cornelius, and uh, he's preaching about Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, look, if you would, at ver- and what he did and how he's going to be the judge of the quick and the dead and all that. Then look at verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Question, has anybody been baptized yet? Look down at verse, yes. No, okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, all right, I got you. Look down, if you would, at verse 47. Then they get baptized. So in this passage, <laughs> check this out. They hear the word and then the Holy Spirit comes on them. And then they get baptized. All right, this is not maybe trying to be funny. Are these two things different? They In the same book, they didn't happen the same way. All right, look at Acts chapter 19. You know what I'm trying to get at? You better not try to build your doctrine of what salvation is for the church today based off of what's going on in the book of Acts. It moves around. <laughs> And you say, why is it moving around? Why does God do that? Why does he just make it? Because, guys, you need to understand, for 1,500 years, it was one way. And not everyone understands everything that you understand about the, the Bible now. Not everybody understands that once you're born again, you're spiritually baptized, and you're spiritually circumcised, and the Holy Spirit's inside of you, and you get sealed by the Spirit of God, and you can't lose your salvation. No one knew all that stuff. You say, did it, did it happen from the beginning? Yes, as soon as the Lord died, it was possible, but nobody knew it. God had to reveal it. And so what God does in the book of Acts is he's slowly bringing people through to show them, look, uh, I'm doing something new here. We're no longer in the Old Testament. Does this make sense so far? Uh, look at Acts chapter 19, Acts 19, and uh, look if you would at verse number 4. Then said Paul, by the way, this is uh, Apollos of Alexandria, who the last thing that he knew was John's baptism. All right, verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. All right, well, where's the baptism? All right, so basically in this passage, now I'm laying hands on somebody, and then they get the Holy Spirit. So can I ask you a question? Which one is it? If you use the book of Acts as your doctrinal manifesto, you're going to be a soup sandwich doctrinally. You will not know which is right. Now, let me give it to you real simply, right? The way that you get the Holy Spirit today, all right, it's really none of these. <laughs> you know how you get it? Well, the closest one's probably this one right here, but you hear the Word of God, and when you hear the Word of God, go to Romans chapter 10, you accept what is said by faith, and the seed of the Word of God is planted in your heart, And when you accept that gospel message, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, at that moment in time, when you say, I'm no longer counting on my righteousness or anything that I could do, I'm now repenting and turning to the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ by faith. When you do that, you're born again. All right? So so that's when the Spirit of God comes inside of you. All right, look at Romans chapter number 10. I went through some of this last week, but look at verse number uh, nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be? There's that gospel message from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, by the way. If you want to write a reference there in your Bible, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? 
salvation. All right, and then look now, if you would, at verse uh, number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, then he goes through and explains that the necessity of people to go out and preach the gospel because people can't believe a message that they haven't heard. In other words, he puts the emphasis in regards to salvation on hearing the word and believing by faith. Look at Romans chapter number four. Romans chapter four, that's how it is today. All right, did everyone understand that right away in the book of Acts? No. Matter of fact, you have to remember this, guys. When Acts is taking place, the gospels aren't even written yet. All right, there's nothing, there's no New Testament that they can go to. It's just, they got Old Testament. That's what they know. All right, look at Romans chapter 4. You, you may have had one, maybe one of the Gospels of, of, of all four written. I can tell you this, John wasn't written yet in the book of Acts. Uh, look, at, look at Romans 4, and uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, in other words, you're not working for your salvation, but believeth on him, Jesus Christ, that justifieth the ungodly, his what? Faith, Faith is counted for what? All right. And then look down at verse number eight. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. That's a quote from Psalm chapter 32, applied from a New, Dext- a New Testament doctrinal standpoint. The idea is this. It is not about whether you've been in the water. That's not what saves you. It is whether or not you have placed your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary. Amen. All right? So that is when you get the Holy Spirit. That is when, uh, go to Romans chapter number 8. Now, I don't want to kind of try to, I don't have time to go through all the uh, verses on this, just a few of them, but look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number uh, let's see, verse seven, uh, verse seven, but the car, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Can I get a witness on that? For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the what? All right. Well, here's the thing. Uh, when Paul speaks of this all throughout this, this passage, uh, and brother, go to the next slide, if you would go to, uh, go to first Corinthians chapter, uh, one right now, if you would. When Paul speaks of the Spirit, being in the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of flesh, Galatians 5, in the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Spirit. Uh, what is he talking about? He's talking about getting in the water? No. He's talking about being baptized in the Spirit of God. Now, one of the things that should be kind of a dead giveaway uh, is this. Now, uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to what? But to what? Now, now here's, the, here's where it gets confusing. This is why people get all messed up, all right? The gospel that we're preaching today is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your sins, all right? That's the gospel. That's the message that you have to receive according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in order to be saved, all right? That's it right there. Okay, well, let me ask you a question. Um. The gospel that was preached by Jesus Christ himself, was it that gospel? No. You know what gospel Jesus Christ preached? Before Acts 2, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Well, that's not the message I'm preaching today. You know, you know that? Tell, go to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. There's only one message today, and it isn't about baptism. Uh, baptism is a good thing to do. It's a, it's a picture of your salvation, but it is not your salvation. 
uh, a picture of something isn't something. All right? If, you know, last week, was it last week I had a picture of your brother, uh, Isaac, right? Pudgy face, you know, kind of like that. All right? Let him know I said that from the pulpit, all right? Um, and let him know it's on the Internet as well. But anyways, uh, that picture wasn't Isaac. It was, it was a picture of Isaac. All right? It's the same reason why the Lord destroyed, listen, in the Old Testament when the heathen nations were worshiping images of gods, the Lord commanded his people to destroy those images. This is why, as Bible-believing Christians, I don't pray in front of a picture of Jesus. That picture doesn't really, it doesn't get me any closer to God. Well, it helps me, it helps me kind of feel close. I've heard people say this, that are kind of in that background. They go, well, I don't believe that's going to talk to me. I don't, that's not, I'm not worshiping it. I just use it as an aid. Here's the problem with that. We walk by faith and not by sight. Right? So, so, so the, the, when it comes to the image of something, the image of something doesn't mean it actually is that thing. All right? The, there's only one exception to that. One exception to that. You know what it is? It's Jesus Christ himself who is the image of God. That's it. Outside of that, right, you see, why, why are you saying that? Because baptism is a picture or a type or a figure of your salvation. You go down the water, just like Jesus Christ died and was buried, and your old man, when you get saved, is gone. Your old man is buried in Christ, and you're risen to walk in newness of life. All right, that's the picture of, your, of water baptism today. All right, look, but look what Paul says in verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. You know what that tells me? Preaching the gospel and baptizing people are not the same thing. Does that make sense? It, 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 to me, it makes sense. I mean, one, here's this, here's this. Uh, all throughout the book of Proverbs, you got these contrasts. Uh, here's a horse woman, here's a virtuous woman. Here's a, a righteous man, here's a wicked man. Here's a wise man, here's a foolish man. Here's a good son, here's an evil son. All th- those, those, but here's, you know, uh, 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 the words of the wise are this, but the words of the fools are uh, foolish are this. All right, so it's a contrast. This is contrasting preaching the gospel and baptizing people. They're not the same thing. Uh, for a New Testament Christian, baptism comes after you've heard the gospel as a picture of what you did when you got saved. All right, now, now having said that, it does not mean that baptism is not for today. I want to make that clear as well. Because there are some people that go too far with this thought and go, Paul said Christ sent me not to baptize. So we don't baptize today. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at verse 16. <laughs> he did baptize. He's just saying that wasn't my commit. That wasn't what God sent me to do to save people. God sent me, in order to save people, I don't baptize them. I preach the gospel to them. <laughs> All right? So, so what I want you to understand is this. There's a priority placed on preaching the gospel, uh, not on baptizing people for them to get saved. All right? If you draw a false connection uh, because of Acts chapter 2 and places like that with water baptism being your salvation, you will walk away confused. And I don't want that. I want a very, very clear line draw on the sand in our church doctrinally that you are saved by placing your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ plus nothing. Amen. Not plus baptism, not plus, listen, um, not to, again, not, not, when you point out truths, sometimes people think that you're being hateful. Uh, my wife's uh, background from her family side in Utah was Latter-day Saints. Really good people. A lot of really good people, a lot of righteous living people and good families and all that. This is not an attack on character, but their system of salvation is like faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism, giving, this, that, and, the, and it's all these different layers. 
And, you know, you're never really, are you really sure you're going to get to the right layer of heaven? I don't know. We're going to try. Well, listen, if you're saved, it's not dependent on any of that stuff. It's dependent on you placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Plus nothing. All right. Uh, Let's go back to John chapter 3, and we'll kind of wrap this thing up. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And look, if you would, at uh, John chapter 3 and verse number 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh, or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I'm going to just close with this thought. The Spirit of God is likened to wind. And uh, I don't have time to jump in all the reasons why this morning. We'll do that next Sunday. But let me just say, if there's one thing I, I would pray for today, for our church, you know, you know what I'd pray for? For the Lord to breathe on us. Now, there's some people I don't want breathing on me. Amen. <laughs> All right, man, halitosis city, man, you know, put a mitt in your mouth or something. I don't have great breath either. Don't, I'm not knocking you if you got bad breath. My breath smells like coffee half the time, and I go to kiss my wife. Whoa, whoa, what's going on there? It's, well, it's a f- fifth cup of coffee, babe. What do you expect? But, but let, me, let me say this much. This morning, you know what you want? You want God to breathe on you. Amen. All right, you want the Lord just to go. Some of you are sleepy. You need someone to go. Just wake you up a little bit, and uh, in a good way spiritually, we're, Lord, breathe on us. We need it this morning. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand there uh, and uh, take a break. And uh, Steon, if you'd ask God's blessing, what we just learned, brother, appreciate it.